Support for Access Utah comes from Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Now open Monday through Saturday until 2, offering a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. With the expansion of mobile computing, most of us are, at least partially, living in the cloud, which only means that uh, the services and the storage of uh, our information is uh, not on our computer. It's on someone else's server or computer. This provides for great accessibility. You can access your information anywhere you are, lower cost, uh, expansive storage space. But are there some downsides? There are privacy and security issues. And uh, does it change uh, the definition of the word ownership? We're going to talk about the cloud today, uh, since uh, more and more will probably be in the wonderfully named cloud. Uh, We're going to ask you, what do you have in the cloud? Music, movies, documents, photos? And what sources do you use, services? Uh, Are you comfortable in the cloud? Do you have concerns? Uh, Tell us your experience, good or bad. We'll be throwing those questions out to you. The number is 1-800-826-1495. You can also ask questions of our experts in studio here, 1-800-826-1495. Later on, we'll be talking with USU student Josh Timothy, who's uh, an enthusiastic adopter of the cloud. He has a lot of stuff uh, there and uh, doesn't have any real big concerns. And uh, in a couple of minutes, we'll be talking with... uh, Tech writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, Vince Horiuchi, he does have some some concerns. In studio, uh, Jonathan Choate from SD7 Technologies in Cache Valley. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And on the line with us, Tracy Metrano, Director of uh, IT Policy in the Institute for Computer Policy and Law at Cornell University. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Professor Metrano, I I know you have uh, written on the cloud. We'll want to get, and some of those concerns that I mentioned, uh, privacy and security, we'll uh, we'll get to that discussion as we go along. We'll want to open with a conversation I had yesterday with uh, Vince Horiyushi. He writes on technology issues for the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, He wrote recently uh, about some experiences he had had with the cloud services. Here's that uh, conversation. We open the program with uh, Salt Lake Tribune writer Vince Horiuchi. Vince, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. So, in fact, uh, this whole program started uh, as I was reading your recent column, Should We Trust Apple or Amazon, as the uh, headline. Maybe you could tell us briefly what what happened to you. Well, you know, it's something that kind of happened over the... uh, About a week ago, I was going through my iTunes list of purchases for some reason. I can't exactly remember why, but I was going through my list of things that I had purchased on iTunes that I had downloaded over the last four or five years, and it keeps a record of everything that you've bought and downloaded on iTunes. And I had noticed that there were a couple of things that I had purchased on iTunes that weren't on record anymore as having been bought by me. One of them was a Monty Python album, digital album that I had downloaded. Another one was a video, a Saturday Night Live video that I had purchased. Uh, this is about three or four years ago. And I noticed that those purchases weren't available or weren't listed on the number of uh, list of purchases that I had gotten from iTunes. So I was concerned about that, and I had, I had uh, contacted uh, Apple to find out what was going on, and they had told me that in the case of the Monty Python album, it had been it had been modified. I don't know exactly what that means, but it had modified to the point where if I wanted to buy it again, or if I wanted to download it from iTunes again, it would it would cost me a second time. And and then the other 
video that I had purchased, this Saturday Night Live video, it was no longer on sale through iTunes anymore. So if I wanted to download it again, it would, you know, I wouldn't be able to because it wasn't available. Uh, usually when you purchase things uh, from a digital service like iTunes or Amazon or something like that, that when you purchase it, you purchase it once, you download it. If for whatever reason you lose it off your hard drive again, you can then you know, download it from that service again, and it should have a record that you paid for it, and you can re-download it again without having to pay for it. But in the, this particular case, these were two items that I couldn't download anymore because they didn't have a record of me buying them anymore for these particular reasons. So I was really concerned about the fact that, you know, is this kind of method of buying things digitally by downloading them, you know, is it really a good way to go if they can't even keep record of what it is you're purchasing should you ever need to download them again? So that raised this opportunity for me to write a column about it for my technology column in the paper last week about whether services like that really can be dependable and whether, consequently, cloud services in which companies like Apple or Amazon store your digital goods online on their company services, whether they're secure and safe, and whether they, in fact, will be responsible enough to keep track of everything that you upload to the cloud service and whether they can, you know, keep it safe and keep it on record that you have it there. And, I'm, you know, I've had a couple of experiences like this where I'm not so sure I can really depend on companies to do that. So uh, do you have a lot of stuff in the cloud? And, and this, it sounds like it's made you a little more unsure. Is this a tipping point for you? You'd going to take some stuff off the cloud? Well, now, as far as cloud storage is concerned, no, I don't really have a lot of stuff, if any at all, uh, stored on a cloud server anywhere. I don't use Dropbox, which is a cloud server uh, service. I don't use iCloud, really, to store anything. I don't use um, Amazon's cloud service, really, to store anything either. I don't, I don't use those. Be I think in large part because I am sort of nervous about whether I can really depend on them to store my stuff. Now, as far as purchasing stuff online, digital goods like music and videos, there's a few things that I've purchased on iTunes, a few things that I've bought on Amazon, and there's a few things. And, of course, I mean, we're, all of our apps for our iPhones and iPads, for example, we purchase online from iTunes and we download them. So all of my apps are on, you know, I purchase through iTunes. And, you know, it's the same issue here is whether – if, if for whatever reason I lose those on my computer, can I download? Can I de depend on Apple that I can download them again without having to pay for them? And what I'm finding out is, you know, I can always depend that Apple will have them stored there either permanently that I can re-download them again, or again in this in some cases they'll modify them where I'll I'll have to uh, buy them again if I want to. You know, if I want to re-download them, there's a couple of apps, as a matter of fact, that I've I've bought in the past that are no longer available on iTunes. So if I want to download them again, I can't because they don't make them available. So this sort of changes the meaning of the word ownership, doesn't it? It's a little less permanent. It does because I think one of the concerns that I have is that you know when you had CDs and DVDs, at least you owned something. You owned a physical copy of the movie or the or the album that you could hold and always own and as long as you kept it in good shape it was always there but the thing with with downloading services is it, it's all virtual ownership you download these bits of these digital bits of ones and zeros and you know it's our responsibility to make sure that you 
have them on your computer and that you also back them up from your computer so that you can always have them uh, in the event something happens like it did with me with Apple. Uh, the problem is, is that Apple doesn't really make it that clear that you should back up your computer to make sure that that stuff is safe. They say it in their terms of agreement, their terms of service uh, uh, record that you sign, you know, whenever you sign up for iTunes, but it's in small print. Of course, nobody reads those things, and I don't think people are really uh, that well aware that they need to not only have that stuff on their main computer where they download it to, but they also need to back it up. And that's why I wrote this article is to inform people, you really need to back up your stuff on your computer that you purchase from iTunes. Otherwise, there's the possibility that one day, if you should lose it, you'll never be able to download it again. You need to have that backup to make sure that you always have it. And that's kind of the issue with this, these virtual goods, digital, digital goods, is, is uh, it's different from owning something that physically in your hand. It's something that you, you, know, you, you sort of either own in the cloud or you, you own in terms of digital copies, but you don't really own physically. With computing going more and more mobile, it, is this the future? Or we're, we're all going to be more and more in the cloud for services and, and for storage? Well, I'm afraid so. I think it is. I mean, certainly we're seeing that with mobile phones, with mobile phones, this is something that is happening. Um, you know, all of our apps, they're not available on any physical copy that you purchase on a disk or something. Uh, they're all available as a digital as a digital good that you download from iTunes or Amazon or in the, or in the case of uh, Android phones that you get from Google Play's digital store. It, I think it it's not just the future, it's kind of here now. And certainly as we move forward, movies are becoming popular as streaming services like Netflix becomes more popular. Um, music like Spotify, that's music that's streamed to your phone or to your, you know, if you have a stereo or whatever, that's stuff that is that remains in a digit on a computer server owned by the company that streamed to you. Pretty soon, it's getting to the point where we won't have Blu-ray discs, we won't have DVDs, we won't have music CDs. So we won't have anything to own. We'll just sort of own the license to play these things, not necessarily own them outright. You said you were afraid we're going that direction. Not a total 100 complete positive, in your view? Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not. Again, I'm not really satisfied because we're sort of we're sort of um, operating under these things at the whim of the company that owns all of this this content. I mean, it's kind of like we hope that they keep a record of what it is we've bought. In the case of Apple, they didn't quite keep a record of what I bought. Uh, for example, I I purchased a game through Sony for my portable PlayStation Vita. It's the portable video game system. They don't have a record that I bought that game. So now I've got to call Sony and tell them, hey, I bought this game, but you don't have a record that I bought it. So again, the problem is, is I, I don't know if I really trust these guys to to keep records of, of all of my purchases. I also don't know if I necessarily trust these companies to make sure that all of my stuff in the cloud is secure. Uh, we hear all kinds of stories about hackers who break into cloud services or who break into these, these digital services. It hasn't happened to iTunes yet, fortunately, but but it, it seems like it's only going to be a matter of time before they hack into these things. They could erase people's accounts, maybe. I think these are kind of the concerns. I know that these companies spend a lot of money on, on security. Uh, so, you know, I think generally they are fairly secure, but, uh, you know, 
maybe not necessarily as secure as me owning a disk of something, it seems like. Um, so, you know, it's something to be concerned about as we move forward to an all-digital uh, uh, kind of uh, service for our music and, and our movies. And uh, I'm feeling especially anachronistic. I, when I read your article for the first time, it was in my paper copy of the, you know, of the Tribune. It, <laughs> I'm, I'm still there, although a lot, a lot of people are moving much more into the, into the web. We'll talk much more about this uh, in the, the remaining time we have together in this hour. We're talking about the cloud. Is it secure? Uh, what is the meaning of ownership in the cloud? Many other issues to be talked about. Vince Horiuchi is a Salt Lake Tribune writer, writes on technology issues. Uh, Vince Horiuchi, thank you so much. Vince Horiuchi, writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, he has some concerns about the uh, the cloud. As we go along, we're going to be talking with Jonathan Choate from SD7 Technology and with Tracy Matrano, Director of IT Policy in the Institute for Computer Policy and Law at Cornell University. Later in the hour, a uh, conversation with USU student Josh Timothy, who uh, doesn't have the same concerns as Vince Horiuchi. Uh, and the, the number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. I especially love to hear from you. What do you have in the cloud? Uh, are you moving more and more there for your services and storage? What experience have you had, good or bad? Uh, what questions might you have, uh, technical or otherwise, about the cloud? 1-800-826-1495. Love to have your experience. Let me turn next to uh, Tracy Petrano. Um, and I'm, I've been reading uh, a paper you wrote, Outsourcing and Cloud Computing for Higher Education. I guess Cornell tasked you with uh, with looking at this. And uh, I hadn't thought about this. So I guess universities and businesses are are doing this, and it was interesting to link those two things up, outsourcing and cloud computing. thought ahead was we're, we're all doing that, aren't we? We're outsourcing these services now. Yeah, sure. I mean, outsourcing has been a term with which we're all familiar uh, for some time now. We've outsourced, for example, um, our bookstores or our food services or other vending products, um, maybe even athletics, uh, ticket sales, a variety of different services. But uh, the most recent incarnation of outsourcing that has gained a lot of attention in higher education is how to do it with respect to information technologies because of the regulatory concerns that higher education has, uh, as well as the concerns that we have about the integrity of our information, our ability to maintain, um, as you were saying, ownership of that, full use of it, uh, and to be sure that uh, it serves the purposes of our institutional missions. It's interesting in in, in this paper, uh, you say one of the, the big concerns is uh, when we outsource our services uh, into the cloud or or otherwise, uh, w- when comes the point when we uh, lose control over those services, and how will we know? Yes. Well, and that isn't a question that's easily answered. Uh, I mentioned it in that piece as uh, something to keep in mind as we develop uh, relationships with the vendors as our associations, for example, Internet2 uh, has a group called Net Plus uh, that is working on a consortium of uh, colleges and universities, mostly universities at this stage, and a relationship with vendors trying to uh, use a collective uh, bargaining, if you will, uh, not only in terms of the price point, but also in terms of the appropriate legal terms that need to be 
in place in order for us to feel confident that these are appropriate services. So uh, it, keeping the question in mind that we must maintain control of our products, services, and information to the degree that we can always maintain a fundamental autonomy as uh, uh, institutions, as universities, uh, and with unique missions in American society, I think we can take calculated risks. Uh, we can move with caution, but also uh, we can move with uh, excitement and uh, a forward-looking view, uh, again, not only from a price point perspective, but also just to the future of how technology is moving and where higher education wants to fit into that picture. So it's, it's a multi-factored kind of calculus that one has to uh, keep in mind as they uh, move along down this kind of a outsourcing and cloud road. Got our heads in the clouds uh, today. We're talking about the cloud on Access Utah, and I want to have your experience. Love to hear your experience, good or bad. Uh, what services uh, do you have in the cloud? Do you have your music, your movies, documents, or photos? Uh, do you feel secure, comfortable there? Uh, if you had good or bad experiences, uh, you uh, can join the conversation at 1 800 826 1495. 1 800 826 1495. Uh, Jonathan Chota, maybe you could pick up on uh, what Professor Matrana was saying there. Uh, she says we can move forward, even with excitement. We just have to, we just have to have a few things in mind. Yeah, I think there's. It requires that we have an analysis of what we're doing and realizing the steps that we're taking. You know, these, you know, they, they're digital. Whether we store them on a local server or whether they're out with somebody else, but the access to it, the control over it, does change particularly with institutions and businesses where some of these things may be, you know, mission-critical data. You may have, you know, customer information, which is highly sensitive, that if it gets out, you know, you're in trouble and they're in trouble, et cetera. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of aspects you have to take into account. Um, from a personal side, if you want to move your personal data there, I think it's a little simpler calculation. Um, you know, anything that's entertainment-related, anything that's it's really not important. Yes, it can be annoying. You know, I, I lost a, a song. I lost, uh, you know, uh, a movie. Those things don't particularly, you know, they don't really matter in the larger scale. And you realize it's more like a service. I, I've stopped buying music like that. Now I just use services. My personally, I go with Spotify. I stopped buying music and now I just pay, you know, pay a royalty fee and I can use whatever I want, but at the same time, I have to realize that I don't own any of it. If I stop paying, I have access to nothing. So there's a mental shift associated with that as well, that it's now a service, not a product. Um, and if you realize that and accept it, you can, you know, there's a lot of great things out there that are inexpensive, that are, you know, really accessible. Uh, you know, the mobility of it, many of these things you can now get on your your tablet or your phone or, or your computer at home and your office, and you have the same uh, re access to all this content at multiple locations, which is great. But again, realizing it's more of a service than a product. What about the ones that are sort of in between? Like you pay 99 cents and you get a song from, from Apple. You, you paid for that right. song. Right. And that's why, that's actually the reason I've stopped doing that, is for that exact reason, is you've paid for it and now technically you own it but you really don't there's digital rights management associated with it there is uh, there's the fact that you can only get it through them and so if they're not available if for whatever reason you know they're just down or the errors as we heard in the story earlier in the segment uh just they've messed up somehow or the licensing has changed and they no longer have access to the things that came from a certain publisher um then you're just out of luck mm -hmm. Uh, and so I personally, uh, you know, 
I don't like to use those types of servers for, the exact, that, exact, for that exact reason. Uh, if I want to own something physically, I'll own it physically. Hmm. If I want a service, I'll go cloud. I'm not a big fan of the hybrid because you're kind of getting the least of both worlds. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, if you have just joined us, we're talking about the cloud more and more. We're, uh, we have our songs and our photos and our movies and our documents. In some cases, we don't own those, as Jonathan was just ch- saying. We're, it's, a, it's a change, a paradigm shift to, to uh, a, a service that uh, you that you buy for a time, and if you stop paying, then you lose access to, to that material. Some of the materials, however, are our own personal things like photos, very precious photos. Should we have that in the cloud? We'll talk about security and privacy issues as we go along. More and more, we're sort of in this world by default. The number is 1-800-826-1495. Love to hear your experience. What services do you uh, consume and what do you have in the cloud? Do you have precious uh, things in the cloud and do you feel comfortable there? A little later on, we're going to hear some experiences from USU student uh, Josh Timothy. Right now, we're talking with Tracy Matrano, Director of IT Policy at Cornell University, and Jonathan Choate, SD7 Technology, the number 1 800 826 1495. Tracy Matrano, I'd like to read something uh, from uh, Apple co founder uh, Steve Wozniak and have you, uh, have you respond. Sure. Uh, this is. Uh, this is what he says. Sort of uh, was surprising to me. I really worry about everything going uh, to the cloud. I think it's going to be horrendous. I think there are going to be a lot of horrible problems in the next five years. Uh, that's what he uh, uh, quoted to news.com. Uh, with the cloud, you don't own anything. You already signed it away. Personally, I want to feel I own things. A lot of people feel, oh, everything is really on my computer. But I say the more we uh, transfer everything onto the web, onto the cloud, the less we're going to have control over it. That's Steve Wozniak, uh, co-founder of, uh, of Apple. When did he write that? Uh, this was in uh, August of uh, this year. Okay, how interesting. So uh, those are some concerns, and I know you've written, uh, at least with regard to cloud computing and higher education, you've written about uh, security and privacy concerns. Uh, maybe you could outline some of some of those and, and how those are being mitigated. Well, I think you uh, are asking excellent questions, and we are all caught in a very important transition. The phenomenon of the Internet, not the technology, but the phenomenon, really is a world historical event. Uh, it, it would take going back to the uh, 15th and 16th century of the printing press to find a similar time in which you've got economic, social, political, and cultural trends converging on a technology that then accelerates change so profoundly. Uh, and uh, as in any time of disruption, uh especially people our age, for example, I'm in my 50s, uh, you still have one uh, metaphorical foot uh, back in CDs or albums or 45s, if I date myself, Um, and then the other foot, you know, moving more towards the future. I I appreciated your definition of um, the Apple iTunes purchase as a hybrid. I think that's a very good description because uh, it is obviously moving in the direction of using information technology. Uh, it is sort of a purchase where you have a certain kind of right, um, but uh, it is moving from the kind of property right that people had in a CD uh, towards something that is more of a leasing model that uh, Mr. Choate uh, mentioned. And then when you do get to something like Spotify or Pandora, uh, you're really just leasing the service and not 
you know, any of the products as he indicated. Um, I do think that is the trend towards uh, which we're moving. I think that uh, any company that wants to uh, be uh, enduring through all of this transition will have to put tremendous resources into technical security. And increasingly, they're going to have to start to pay attention to uh, privacy issues. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, Mr. Zuckerberg was very lucky when he brought Facebook in because people uh, were really not in a place as a culture to be identifying privacy issues. But uh, we now know that uh, that uh, privacy is not dead, and increasingly people are concerned about it, and that privacy about their personal information or being able to um, maintain the integrity of the things that they purchase intersect well with uh, consumer rights. And we may find increased activity under the Federal Trade Commission to regulate some of the issues that you've already raised. Uh, If I've purchased something from Apple and it disappears, um, and uh, it's one thing if they modify it. So if, you know, the Beatles recorded something uh, in Hamburg in 1961 and then they re-recorded in 1963, even in the physical world, we tended to buy two versions of that. So I can understand if something is modified, uh, why uh, you you may uh, have to pay for it again. But having it disappear, the first version, that seems to me worthy of a Federal Trade Commission uh, complaint. Uh, and a close scrutiny of terms of service, greater understanding if the terms of service do give uh, Apple or any other company uh, that uh, authority to do that without um, uh, uh, having to answer for it to the consumer, or whether that's an appropriate and fair measure to have with the consumer. So I think as we move into all of these new technologies and new business models, we do have to have corresponding uh, legal and regulatory oversight to be sure that uh, consumers are treated fairly. Turn over to Jonathan Choate. Uh, some of those issues uh, raised, do you, what do you think the role of regulation is here, or do, or do we just uh, realize we're in a, a different world and we we uh, shift our uh, our thinking? Oh, I think with, as with everything, we have to be we have to be careful to uh, to step in and try to regulate it too much because that can that can often backfire. And uh, the, the more difficult we make it for somebody to operate in these in, in environments, the less choices we'll have out there uh, for services and things we want to purchase. So there's, a, there's definitely a fine balance we have to reach. Um, you know, currently it's a very unregulated world, but it's, it is in a sense that these are simply contracts. You know, whether they're digital or whether they're physical, these are still contracts we're entering into. We have license agreements, et cetera. So they do fall under a lot of, uh, you know, of regular uh, laws that already exist. Uh, the difficulty is, uh, you know, somebody like Apple, they are, you know, they're able to word things very correctly for what they want it to portray, whether or not everybody understands how that is or not. And so that's, I think, the most difficulty. I can't even remember the last time I actually read an entire end-user license agreement, and I do this thing for a living. Uh, it's There's just simply too much information there. We assume to a certain degree that, you know, it's somebody else has already looked at this. It's going to be acceptable on a certain level. You know, I may not like it. It may not be perfect, but I'm going to live with it one way or the other. Whether I read it, I need the product anyway, so I'm going to use it. Um, and so when we're dealing with those kinds of things, uh, again, I think so much of it is a mind shift and a mindset of realizing the differences in the services you're getting. Uh, and also realizing security-wise, uh, it's a different model completely. 
security, now we have a couple of very large targets. We've seen some major instances. Sony had a, a you know a recent one with the uh, PlayStation Three network. Uh, where huge amounts of information were compromised, what we what we're getting from is instead of there being you know millions and potentially billions of small targets, that while an individual one is fairly easy to compromise, the payoff is so minute that why would you bother? To having these giant you know rich targets of which if I can compromise one of the things, I get hundreds of thousands of people's information, and now it's worth going to these extraordinary efforts. So there's a there's a trade off one way or the other. Before we almost had security through anonymity. You know, I'm one little tiny, tiny, tiny piece in this vast ocean. Nobody's going to bother to target me unless they have a reason to. Instead of now, I'm part of this big target, and I have to hope that somebody else manages that security for me and that's where it gets a little scary for me is we abdicate the responsibility to somebody else we simply hope that they're doing it okay now we're going to look at industry reviews on security we're going to look at the the practices they're doing to a certain degree but we have no direct control over the security ourselves we can't decide well this is more important therefore i want to be more secure about it it's up to somebody else. Mm. So keeping in mind, particularly with things like photographs, which are irreplaceable, you know, sure, put them in the cloud, but don't have them only in the cloud. Mm. Keep those physical copies. Spread them out amongst multiple computers. A lot of these cloud services, Microsoft SkyDrive, Dropbox, um, uh, the Google Drive, etc., they allow you to do both. Again, kind of a hybrid approach. I can upload it to my drive there, but I can also synchronize it between multiple physical computers. And now I have not only this cloud service, I also have a backup in my office computer from my home computer and then my laptop or my tablet or my... And people are getting more and more devices. So you simply spread it. You spread the risk out amongst multiple things. Hmm. What a similar question uh, back to Tracy Mitrano. Uh, in your personal life, having worked in this and thought about this in your professional life, what uh, what suggestion would you have for us? Things that you would suggest we not put in the cloud uh, and things you would feel okay about putting in the cloud? Well, gosh, that's an all-depends kind of answer. Um, if there is a very reputable service uh, that you feel relatively uh, confident uh, about its uh, endurance and longevity, uh, and you have just written the uh, all-American uh, greatest next novel. Um, you, why not put it in the cloud? But then, you know, why not have a physical copy? Why not uh, have two different services if it is that important to you? Um, there, there are so many factors that one would have to take into account: the material, the significance. Uh, of that material to you personally or financially, uh, your assessment of the company, uh, your feeling of confidence about it being able to move on. I, I confess I'm a, a little bit amused whenever I hear the um, knee-jerk response to regulation. Uh, people don't like it for many understandable reasons. It can be too heavy. Uh, it, it can, in some cases, um, mitigate against innovation. But it's one of those things where they say they don't like it, and then, of course, there is this understanding that no one reads the URLs and, and that we only really want regulation in the breach, and then often it's too late. 
the major transgressions, the loss to the consumer, the loss to many consumers uh, with very little legal redress because, in fact, it is a contract model. It's not a physical purchase anymore. Uh, it is a lease model, and a lease model uh, means that you're paying uh, regularly and routinely and uh, for services for which you know you very unlikely uh, have read any of the contract provisions of and for. I don't mind to have government being sure that the consumer is not being treated unfairly in those circumstances because they help me answer the question that you just asked me. I will have a better sense then that there is going to be some over someone else watching between me and and the uh, uh, Apple or me and Dropbox or me and Google. Uh, because I alone, if I have a problem with these companies, will have no voice whatsoever. You can't even get someone on the phone with these companies. You, you barely can get an attorney to negotiate with even when you're an institution. So the idea that an individual consumer can manage everything about themselves in this extraordinary time of transition, I, I think is a naive one, if I may say. Uh, and uh, so long as government is acting responsibly and not with too heavy of a hand, I am grateful that the government exists to help the consumer watch some of these transitions in a way that balances fairness and innovation and creativity. We're going to take a brief break. We'll be back talking about this. We'll uh, include a uh, conversation I recorded yesterday with Josh Timothy, USU student. He's an enthusiastic adopter of the cloud. And we'll have an email from uh, Steve in Beaver Dam, Arizona. He raises some concerns. Uh, All of that coming up. And we're talking with Tracy Matrano, Director of IT Policy at Cornell, and uh, Jonathan Choate from SD7 Technology. You're talking about the cloud. The number is 1-800-826-1495, or you can email us at upraxcess at gmail.com. More after this. Utah Public Radio now makes it even easier to stay up to date with News at Noon on Twitter. This is April Ashland, UPR's social media coordinator, inviting you to follow and join the conversation about politics, local, and statewide events by going to twitter.com forward slash Utah Public Radio. Hi, this is Blair Larson, host of Fresh Folk. On the show this week, I feature the personal songs of Natasha Borzalova and the iconic songs of Annie Gallup. I'll also play songs from new releases by Loretta Hagan, Brian Kalanick, and Grant Peoples, to name just a few. Join me this Saturday at 8 p.m. for Fresh Folk on Utah Public Radio. We're talking about cloud services, cloud computing on the program today, and more and more that is where we're ending up. There are great advantages and some concerns. That's what we're talking about on the program today. Uh, let's go to a, uh, an email from uh, Steve in uh, Beaver Dam, Arizona. Um, he says, just as background for this morning's conversation, these companies give us plenty of reason not to trust them. It's evidenced by articles from the past couple of days, and he provides links to the articles. Uh, he mentions PayPal and Skype, Facebook and Twitter. I don't know, Jonathan, if you've uh, heard of any problems with, with any of these companies. Uh, he, he's talking about you can't trust them. There must have been some problems with, with security. I think there's problems with all of them, but it's whether or not those problems will actually affect you. 
is uh, is one of the aspects of that. Uh, there's no there's none of these services, whether they're Facebook or Google Plus or Twitter or uh, Reddit or you know any of these services that have become extremely popular. There's always going to be holes in the security and in the privacy associated with it. Uh, but that's you know it's one of the reasons why. I've made the statement for a number of years on the radio. Anything you put on the internet is out there and is never going to go away. Uh, and so be aware <laughs> what you're putting out there is out there and is not going away. And that will help you to not be as affected when there is a problem. Hmm. Let me address uh, this email to uh, Tracy Mitrano. Uh, this is from Greg and Logan. I use online storage for documents that I share and edit with groups. This allows for real-time access for everyone in the group. There's an advantage of, of the cloud. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Cornell University, along with a number of other institutions, uh, recently adopted an enterprise uh, box um, service. And, uh, you know, people are very much enjoying it. Of course, box exists for consumers as well. And I think that uh, so long as people understand the functionality of it, it's very dynamic in sharing documents, uh, and that they take a little bit of time to read through the terms of service uh, and learn how the functionality operates, uh, if it meets your needs, that, that, that's why it's becoming a big business. And um, it is the direction that business is, as well as individual and consumers are going to go in uh, managing their personal life as well as their work life. So um, that sounds completely right to me, what your um, writer uh, from Logan has said. Uh, we're just coming down to about five minutes left. We'll end the program with uh, my conversation with uh, Josh Timothy. Uh, Teresa Matrano, I wanted to follow up with with uh, maybe move this more to the to business model. You've been looking at it from an institution-wide level. Uh, maybe you could outline some of the advantages for, for an institution like, like yours, Cornell, uh, for cloud services, for outsourcing. Um, I imagine it does provide some definite advantages, which makes it so that institutions probably have to have to go there to compete. Oh, yes, sir. I mean, to function. Uh, there's no question that these technologies are coming, and to try to bury one's head in the sand and pretend that they're not uh, might be like... Uh, being a 15th century uh, monk and, and putting your head in the monastery and saying, I'm just going to keep uh, writing and longhand these scrolls and um, pretending that the printing press doesn't exist. So uh, the features that we want in uh, our operations and systems, networking, as well as the information management, as they increasingly move to the cloud, uh, we may not be able to uh, procure the technologies on our own infrastructure again. Although sometimes things work in cycles, and if there were, for example, some major catastrophic security or physical breaches, uh, if companies went under and whole institutions lost all their information, we may see then a resurgence of um, technologies that operate on our own infrastructure and within our own physical control. But so long as uh, the reasonable degree of security and contract provisions continue as we have found them moving in the last few years, I think prudently one can be safe uh, in, from an institutional perspective to um, move forward, often better in collaboration with other institutions working together on these kinds of contracts. Uh, but uh, certainly it, from today's perspective, it is the future. Jonathan Choate, uh, you said something earlier I wanted to follow up with. You, you said when we all of us had our, our information on our own hard drive uh, that we could sort of rely on anonymity 
and insignificance, personal insignificance. Yeah, the, no. the security of <laughs> of nobody being able, targeting you because you're just one of billions. <laughs> and and as I sort of step into the cloud with documents and such, because it, it does provide advantages of accessibility and uh, interconnection communication with other people. Uh, like uh, Greg mentioned, you can you can put out a Google Doc and you can all edit it together. Uh, I'm sort of relying on that same reasoning that, uh, you know, who cares about my little information? But I'm, am I becoming more vulnerable? Well, it's it's a mixture. The vast majority of the things that we put out there, I use Google Docs constantly uh, for editing documents. However, I never use it for anything that's highly sensitive. Uh, you know, I, the type of business I'm in, I deal with customer data on occasion. I deal with accounts that have some significant access that could cause damage. Those kinds of things I don't ever put in cloud services. Those are sometimes they're nowhere other than in my head. Um, so it, it, you have to you have to look at what you're doing and analyze. Is this a is this something I care about? Is this just a tool, you know, or is this something that's highly important? And at that point, you have to evaluate the security of the services you're doing. But, you know, the majority of the documents I'm editing mean nothing. And and anybody could read them and they would, you know, glean nothing important that wasn't specific to the people I'm trying to write it to. So in those types of uh, of of scenarios, sure, you know, use whatever service is the most convenient to you because, you know, as much as we like our privacy, we realize, you know, just in the physical world around us, we're observed and, you know, we don't have perfect privacy as much as we'd like it. Um, but when it is important, you know, we close doors, we lower shades, we lock doors, etc. We We go through extra measures in the physical world to secure things that are important. We should do the same thing in our digital world. Realize what's important and what isn't and make t- and take the steps to secure the things that are important to us. Of which there are many, many ways to do it. Sometimes they seem difficult if we're not, uh, you know, if we don't have the skills, but that's why people are out there to help. And just about a minute left before we go to this conversation with uh, Josh Timothy. Uh, we'll give uh, Tracy Matrona the, the last word to with, with our two uh, guests here. Uh, as you look out into the future, say five or ten years, uh, anything especially exciting about the uh, services, new services coming down the line with cloud computing that... Uh, that you can see? Well, I think the uh, uh, what goes under the name of big data, is certainly in higher education, we will be looking for the computing potential to be increasing exponentially. And that technical support will advance science and engineering uh, as well as the humanities uh, you know, to to measures that would be hard to predict right now without uh, sounding almost fantastical. But uh, the notion that we can, for example, begin to treat cancer on an individual basis uh, and target people's uh, genetic uh, uh, proclivities for cancer or or, uh, their treatments will only be able to occur uh, using enormous amounts of cute computing power, uh, the ability to bring to life 
um, multimedia representations of historical events or enormous transitions in times or global history will only be able to be created with uh, tremendous computing power. And you can take anything uh, in between uh, medicine and uh, the humanities, whether it be in social science, communications, computer science, engineering, and, and, and bring those same perspectives to it. So all of these services, certainly at the consumer level, are helping us economically and, and help us in science and technology innovations on a global scale, uh, but also what higher education brings to American society, from medical treatment to better legal understandings about international jurisdiction and law, right on through our understanding of what makes us human and what's always made us human, notwithstanding technology in any era, uh, is supported at this point largely by the kind of information technology, science, and engineering that uh, we have seen exploding in the last 25, 30 years. We've been talking on this part of the program with Tracy Matrano, Director of IT Policy and the Institute for Computer Policy and Law at Cornell University. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. And Jonathan Choate with SD7 Technologies. Cash Valley, thank you. Thank you. And we began the program with Vince Horiuchi with Salt Lake Tribune. He had some concerns about the cloud. We'll end on a more positive note about the cloud. Josh Timothy, USU student, he's, uh, he's an adopter of many of the services. On this part of the program, we're uh, turning to uh, Utah State University uh, student Josh Timothy. Josh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, what, what do you study? I'm studying global communications. Oh, very, uh, very appropriate. <laughs> very apropos here. Uh, and I understand that uh, you're an enthusiastic adopter of uh, storing a lot of your stuff on the cloud. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us what, what what do you have in the cloud? I guess music, uh, movies, uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, um, I basically I basically store everything on the cloud, um, from all my school documents to um, all my school documents to music. I use SkyDrive mostly because it syncs up well with the computer and it instantly downloads on any computer that I'm registered on. So it doesn't matter where I go on campus or anywhere, I still have all my files. So, And I guess that's the attraction. Anywhere you go, it, uh, you can access it. Uh-huh. Uh, and then the other good thing, like uh, with my music or any of my files, if my hard drive were to crash on my computer... I still have all my files. So it's uh, it, it's sort of a, a backup, but even more. You, do you have stuff on the cloud that you do not have on your hard drive? Um, I have it on a hard drive somewhere. Like all my old files from years past, I have uploaded on a second SkyDrive account. And so when I need to access those, it's quicker to go onto my cloud and get them than find my hard drive and plug it in and stuff. So. So that, I guess that's a good idea. You have a second, uh, you have a backup in the cloud. Uh-huh. So you have you have documents, you have music. Um, what else do you have in the cloud? Uh, mainly just documents and music. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies are usually too big for now, and cloud storage is usually quite expensive. I don't pay for any cloud storage. Uh, SkyDrive offers me 25 gig on both my accounts. And then there's other ones like Dropbox and Sugar Sinks, and they offer a lot less for a free account. Hmm. So you've gone to a specific, uh, you know, specific companies that offer uh, cloud storage. Do you, do you have anything on, uh, say, some of the big boys, uh, Apple, uh, Amazon, Google, that sort of thing? Uh, I use Google to store my music. 
because uh, they allow 20,000 songs that you can store. Hmm. And then their music player works great, so you can play it wherever you're at, on your phone or computer up on campus. Now, where did you used to have uh, these things, your music, your documents, I guess just right on your, your computer hard drive? Yeah, that's correct. And so the downside there is you couldn't access it unless you were home. Or if you brought your iPod with you or something. Right. Uh, do you, with with friends and people you talk to, are more and more people migrating with these sorts of things to the cloud? Yeah, a lot of my friends have it. Um, they may not use it to the extent that I do. Uh, they use it a lot for sharing files or collaborating projects up at school. And that's... Uh, my, my dad and other people I know use it like I do where all your main files are backed up on the cloud. Hmm. Uh, so it reaches into a, a bit of an older generation as well with your with your dad. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I guess those are a couple of other advantages to being in the cloud. You can you can share, you can collaborate. Yep. Uh, are there any, do you have any concerns? Of course, that we're going to be speaking in this program about some concerns, advantages and disadvantages of being in the cloud. One uh one concern that, or a couple of concerns that, uh, that people uh, bring forward are privacy issues and, uh, and and your vulnerability to to maybe losing that data or having it stolen. Yeah, um, I'm not sure because they have everything backed up on hard drives, and I don't know how many copies they make, so I don't know how probable it is to lose your data. But uh, security is an issue. You, I mean, you just never know. They have everything encrypted, but, you know, when somebody else has your stuff, you never know what's going to happen. Hmm. But that, uh, that apparently doesn't bother you enough to, to leave the cloud. Yeah, I think in this day and age, you just kind of got to go with it because just like the government gets hacked or people get hacked, you're practically vulnerable anywhere you go, and you just got to take the chance. You may have some documents you may not want to put on the cloud, but it's kind of just personal preference. What about something like uh, photographs, very, very precious photographs? Would would you put that on the cloud? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You just uh, maybe just back it up. Uh huh. Kind of a thing. Uh, one of the um, things we'll be talking about here is uh, it was occasioned by an article in the Salt Lake Tribune of Vince Horiuchi, the technical writer there. Uh, he said uh, some of his a couple of his songs that he he purchased, and I can't remember where he had uh, purchased them from. Um, I, th- I think it was Apple. Uh, they they were they were lost, and uh, and so he went went to Apple and uh, and uh, had to pay all over again to to retrieve those, um, indicating that some vulnerability that uh, that you you can't totally depend on on third party services you. If you want it totally secure, perhaps you have to have it on your hard drive. I wonder what your response to that is. Have you had any problems at all? Um, It's really not a problem anymore. It used to be. Uh, My brother lost some stuff in the early days of buying stuff off iTunes. But they keep track of all your purchases. So now any purchase you've ever made from them, you can just go re-download it for free. Hmm. Um, Another music subscription I used was Zune Music when it came back or when it came out years ago. Zune went out of business, but Microsoft kept the music program going. And I just barely upgraded to Windows 8 and signed up for Google Music. 
And all my music that I bought seven years ago was there to download. Hmm. So, so the early problems have been corrected in your view. Yeah. Yeah. Are, is, is there anything you would not put on the on the cloud? You just have a problem putting it out there? Um, documents with my social security number, uh, identity theft, those things I'd probably just keep on my hard drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and what what are some services out there that you that you don't have now that you maybe you are you hope for in the future? We'll, we'll give some uh, I guess business students some ideas <laughs> here. Are, are, do you are you satisfied with what's out there in the cloud now? I am. I think uh, cloud storage should be a little bit more affordable. I mean, it's not it's not too bad, but I I actually I don't know. I think everything's going cloud, and there's going to be a day that most processing is not done on your hard drive, or most storage is not being done on your hard drive. Mm -hmm. I think everything's going cloud. You you think everything's going there, um, and and you, sounds like you believe we're we're okay, we'll be okay jumping in. Yeah, I think it's fine. Yeah. One of the issues, uh, just here running out of time, but one of the issues is is the idea of uh, ownership. And uh, some people I've talked to about the cloud uh, say they, they feel like even though they purchase something, that it, it's a little best, bit less of a sense of ownership if it's in the cloud. You're vulnerable there. That's that's a, somebody else's server. Somebody else is, is protecting that. I've never really thought about it that way because mm-hmm. they don't – the companies don't have access to your files from what they claim because mm-hmm. everything's encrypted before it hits their servers. Mm-hmm. And do you think this will be, you know, a song you purchased uh, perhaps recently? And you may want to go back to that in 20 years. Do you, you, you think that everything will be okay there? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I do back up all my stuff on CDs. Just So if I buy a CD, I'll usually burn it onto a CD. Okay. I kind of stick to hard drive and CD backups. but. So your suggestion would be to, it sounds like you've got a backup in the cloud and a backup uh, uh-huh. here on Earth, so to, so to speak. Uh, the cloud's a big convenience, Yeah, I think. Great. Uh, Josh Timothy, USU student, uh, has been my guest in this part of Access Utah. He's uh, uh, he's uh, pretty optimistic about the cloud, has a lot of his stuff there, as, as many of us do, and uh, he sees it going more and more that way in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. By the way, we'll come out of the clouds. We'll talk about borders tomorrow. Uh, post-election, should Utah's immigration policy change? If so, what should our laws on illegal immigration be? We'll ask those questions of you and several guests coming up tomorrow. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD 189.5 Logan, KUSK HD 188.5 Vernal, KUSL HD 189.3 Richfield, KUST HD 188.7 Moab, and KUSUFM HD 191.5 Logan.